Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and fucking welcome to episode 513 of Film Bastards. My name is Ian Loring, and as always, I am joined by... Becky Foster, hello everyone. Uh, Matt Foster, hello everybody. Hello, hello one and all, we hope you are well. Coming up on this week's show, we've got Marty Scorchese's new three and a half hour epic of depression killers of the flower moon and that's it for a main review we'll we'll talk some other stuff we'll talk some trailers what we've been watching got some questions all that good stuff we are a pod syndicate podcast so please do listen to like-minded shows such as gaming landfill chinstroker versus punter and the rewatch rewatch project and there we are we're a minute into the recording and that's the intro done. The strike continues. The yep. actors and the studios are meeting again this week. Um, feels like there's maybe a little bit of unrest among the actors in terms of fucking let's not overplay our hands, guys. But Fran Drescher does what Fran Drescher want. We are foit. That is an incredible photo, Becky. Thank you for sharing that. We that are... the perfect time to, uh, yeah. Score cheesy Totoro. Good. Um, we are at the behest of Fran Drescher at this point. <laughs> um, but it has led to Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning getting punted, I say, punted to May 2025. I am a little worried that they're kicking that so into the long grass, that after the slightly eh, critical, well, commercial reception to the last Lukewarm, one... warm, yeah. Yes. Whether people will give a shit. Um, people do. I, I just I just think it, it was... I think it just came out at the wrong time. Yeah. It's an odd one. It comes out on 4K disc a week Monday, so I'll be watching it again within the next couple of weeks. And I'm interested because I liked it in the cinema, but Mm. I've ever so slightly got a feeling that I might be because I was willing myself to like it. And I'm a little worried. So we will see there. Um, That's the only... I think... Yeah, I think that's the only thing that's been pushed back recently. Like, Deadpool 3 already got pushed back to July. But I think the thinking is that they're just going to release Captain America in the May date anyway, because they they were, like, done with photography. Um, You know, does kind of need to start getting fucking resolved now, guys. You know, um, I feel like Wonka is under threat even though Wonka feels like a film that comes out at Christmas, but you could maybe get away with Easter for that. But it feels like a Christmas time film. So we'll see. I I feel like this time next week, we'll be talking about a deal. Yeah. It does seem like it's both sides kind of are a little bit like, you know what? We need to kind of meet somewhere in the middle here. Now this is getting, it's gone on too long. And it's going to have too much of a long-standing impact. I think, from what I was reading, Bike Riders is about to get pushed back from December 1st. 
Oh yeah, so when do we know when? Um, there's a. I've read a thing say that it, it's looking like it might get. If a deal isn't struck very very soon, then it will get pushed back to an undetermined time. Yeah, because that's the thing. That film doesn't feel like a particular awards botherer, no. so it it does need its cast out that's there it. to support it. It, it. it needs. It this needs is the Austin Butler, Tom Hardy, Sons of Anarchy cosplay. Yeah, it, it, it yeah. needs Austin Butler on a red carpet talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I like. I I feel like the studios are just going to go right. We actually do have fucking winter movies that we want to be successful. We've got an award season that we want to campaign for. Let's just fucking strike a deal. It's interesting as well. I think it was either Variety or Hollywood Reporter. I was reading yesterday that some that like some folks in the actors branch are going a bit maybe we're actually asking for a bit too much for like um out of the like the streamer revenue and it was like i can't remember the phrase now but it was all it was almost like it was an ego ask i think the um the the phrasing was so whether maybe the actors back down a little bit and then the studios acquiesce to something that's it it does seem like there's a bit more the last talks, it was neither was willing to back down on anything, whereas now it seems a little bit like they're going, do you know what, we need movies and you need work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite. So, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the last time we talk about it, pe- like, pending a, a, like, a deal being done. And the thing is, even, even while the deal's being ratified, they'll probably say, like they did with the writers, okay, you can go back to work, you can start... And even if, like, maybe they don't quite start shooting things yet, you can have, I don't know, Rachel Zegler out there promoting the, the, that new Hunger Games yeah. film. Um, you know, uh, you can have Brie Larson out there for um, for the Marvels. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, here's hoping. Yeah. Here's hoping. Yes. Uh, um, do we have anything else news wise uh, Mike Flanagan's dropped a lot of cast announcements for his new film and it's Don't a film film uh, it is he has very much specified saying um, we are a fully independent film in production under SAG after interim agreements uh, basically and nice. then said uh, so far the cast is I'm just going to do the highlights because <laughs> there's there's a quite a few of these Tom Hiddleston Mark Hamill Chuitel Ejiofar, Karen Gillan, Jacob Tremblay, Mia Sara, uh, Matthew Lillard, uh, David Ditchmalian, Katie Siegel, Annalise Basso, Raul Cooley's back, that Matt Biddell guy who I think in a lot of his other ones is there, um, um, Heather Langenkamp, and a lot of other like Flanagan normal collaborators <laughs> are there as well from the stable that's yeah. fucking cool uh, and he, he starts shooting it in I think it, it's basically the next few weeks he starts um, What is it a book you've read Bex, or is it a short story, or? short story it's a short story yeah it's um, it's basically like the life story of Chuck but it's not straightforward it's twisted Cool. Will it make a good film? Um, do you know what? I haven't read it in a good while. I, if anyone 
To be fair, Flanagan made fucking Gerald's game work. Yeah. So in Flanagan we trust. Yeah. I think there'll be more Flanagan chat later on, won't there? <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna not gonna bang that drum too much. I've spoken about it a lot, but yeah, we'll, it, there will be a bit. <laughs> nice, good. Um, also, I'll just say that Godzilla minus one um, is coming out in the UK in mid December, and apparently it will be coming out in IMAX and 4DX. Yes. Um, good, good. Uh, that film has the best marketing campaign I've maybe ever seen. Of Japan just went through World War Two. Now Japan gets even more fucked. They're down to minus one. <laughs> Fuck you, Japan. I don't know. It's such a weird marketing campaign for that film. It is, yeah. It is um, an odd one, isn't it? It is such a... It, it's just... You can imagine that somebody, whoever came up with it, was just going, I've got a really good fucking idea. <laughs> now, uh, new and uh, drinking update. Drinking red wine and recording this podcast is very weird. <laughs> What's that? It's a lovely drop as well, but it feels so fucking weird. <laughs> right. And anyway, let's see how much of this bottle I can get through tonight. Let's keep track. Um, so, trailers. Trailers. This, what have you guys got? A few. It's been a few. Let's have a look. Um, oh, a new Maestro one just dropped we didn't, that we didn't get to. But uh, we did... Oh, it good... Oh, it good. I talk about that. It good. It do multiple different kind of framings for the period of time. It kind of looks like the colour grading's uh, different as Mm. well. They're maybe making it look like it's shot with different lenses and shit. So the technical side of me goes, yes, please. Ouchie, mama. Hot, hot, hot. Um, Now, in terms of um, Maestro itself, interesting that Kerry Mulligan is first building it. Um, so I, that's very intriguing. The trailer is basically about him. Um, but yeah, this looks great. Comes out in limited release in cinemas in November, Netflix, December 20th. So that's actually quite a large gap between them. Um, but yeah, very like really, really up for this hoping and I'm assuming I'll be able to like, I I feel like this one, Netflix will actually make a bit of an effort to get this out at a more at a wider cadence than the killer this weekend that's for yeah sure. it does seem like there's a there's, there's more of a appetite to get it out there and seeing yeah for sure for sure but no it's a good trailer i'm really looking forward uh, to that what we did catch leave the world behind uh another netflix one i actually think this looks quite intriguing it does apart from mm-hmm. i don't believe Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke as a couple. No. Like, I, 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 I very much need to be sold that those two people can. can I, I, I am so far to the point of where I, I don't even believe that they could exist in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> that is how how much they'd look like they wouldn't be a couple. Mm. <laughs> like, like, like they don't know who each other is. Yeah, it's an odd one. Yeah, but interesting looking trailer mm. even if yeah though what yeah, it, it, even if I, I, all the way through i was watching it going i just wish it didn't look like a netflix film yeah. like, like there's some netflix films that don't 
look like Netflix films. Mm. And then this just does look like a Netflix film. It has that... that well, power. I mean, that... That's the thing. Unless, unless, like, the filmmaker has some real, like, sway to them, Netflix do give them almost like a style bible like you get with TV yeah. shows where it's here's what we want it to look like here's the kind of color grading that we want and you're right it looks like a it looks like a film on streaming that, that, that's it and it, it's just i was watching going can, can you imagine it, like that the, the image of the shipping container coming towards yeah which is a really fucking cool image especially for someone who's terrified of shipping containers for some reason <laughs> um coming towards it coming towards the book imagine that but not looking like it was Netflix tooled. Yeah, I still think it looks pretty. Impressive. It does, and it's an interesting story, and I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to to, to watching it. Mm. But it is one that I'm looking at going. Yeah, selected theaters on Netflix. I think I might take Netflix on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. This is yeah, this is one of those ones where it's yeah, not so not so bothered about. Which is a shame because ten years ago it would have been yeah, I'll go see that in the cinema, no yeah. bother. Yeah. Um, what else have we got? Um, Such is life. Yeah. The, the the first official Saltburn trailer, even though I think it's the third I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh really? I haven't seen this. Okay. It looks very lot of bisexual lighting in it. Um, uh, <laughs> right. It, the thing after the trailer finished, I thought you did it. Said that is either going to be a really like, do you know what? Fair enough. That's a twisted kind of. Uh, uh, give a credit. That is a. Yeah, it's a, a fun thriller. Or are you going to get to the end of it and go, what an absolute crock of just try hard shite. It just—it looks like it could go either way. Yeah, yeah it does. And, and I'm just—I'm I'm really not sure on it. Mm. Well, it's got no awards heat on it whatsoever. No. So if it does land like a damp squib, I think you'll hear about it for three days, yeah, and that's, that's it. it. Um, I mean, I—I I, I think I'm more interested in it because it's got um, Barry Keel in, in it and Rosamund Pike. You do like Rosie Pike, don't I you? I do, yeah. Um, what else? We've got Rustin. The first trailer for Rustin. Again, has that Netflix patina to it. And apparently it's yeah. shit, which is such it, a it shame. Looks shame. It looks shit. It, 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 it just... It looks a little bit by-the-numbers biopic, which is such yeah. a shame, because also as well, Condomingo looks really good in it. Yeah. It it just it feels like such an important holy shit didn't know about this guy story. Yeah. Uh, the fact that the, the trailer is like from the director of um, what's it? Oh. Mar- 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 Black Bottom, and from producers Barack and Michelle Obama. Yeah, it it, just, it feels like yep, yeah, he's selling it on that, but it just doesn't. It it looks like. Plus, Marini's black bottom's not very good. All the important bits are in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. I really want it to be good, because uh, because I because I want it to be good for the fact that the performance looks really good, and I will watch that guy in anything. 
Because mm-hmm. A, he's always great in everything, and B, he just seems like a fucking good dude. <laughs> when you yep. see him in interviews, he's just a really fun and nice guy. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Have you watched the Anyone But You trailer, Ian? Well, that like minute long yeah. thing. I'm really yeah. Confused by the trailer, like it's got this real dramatic music over it, like it's, and it seems to be trying to set it up as like, like this sexy thriller kind of vibe, but it's kind of got a bit of a holiday premise. What you it's it, it, it's a comedy, but it's. But, but my issue is this this teaser trailer, all it does is it just goes, hey, look at Glenn Powell without his shirt on, and look at her tits. But beyond that, you're there going, I, I don't have a clue what this movie is about at all. It's... But it, it, it tries to kind of tell you, but then just, just also just goes, but look, tits. shirtless and tits. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm watching it going, it's... I, will, it... I do like tits and Glenn Powell shirtless, so I will watch it. I kind of let's know what it's about. You do like shit rom-coms as well, don't you? But, I mean, yeah. Because is there any dialogue in that trailer? It feels like it's them looking pissed off with each other. And then... I, I, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I know the premise of, of, of the film anyway, but without this trailer, I wouldn't have a clue. And then she grabs his balls at the end. <laughs> it's just... That's cool. it. I need a trailer, and I need it to look like it's fun, not like it's, not not like it is basically just going to be. Yes, we get it; they're both hot, but can we have something else? And I, I mean, that is a film that fucking needs the strike oh, to yeah. be over. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> no, I, I yeah I yeah yeah yeah. We'll see. That's a December release as well. Um, all right, we watched. I know we've talked about it before, but we watched the we caught the Ferrari trailer, but on the big screen. Mm. It yes. was so cool watching a trailer for a Michael Mann film on a big screen, knowing that it's going to exist in a cinema. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely, after the and I really like Black Hat, um, but after the the lukewarm response to that. I, Basically, I thought, do you know what? I don't think we're ever going to see another Michael Mann film in a cinema again. Yeah. If, if he does yeah, end up making one, it will be for a streaming service. Yeah. Um, and then even when Ferrari got greenlit and he was making it, even with the cast, I still did think this is just going to end up as a streaming thing. Mm. Um, so to know that we're going to get a new Michael Mann film and it's a, more of a Michael Mann drama that has some action in it it is just I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it and I appreciate the Sky have actually gone look we're going to go big balls yeah. with this we, you know we could just put this on Sky Cinema on Boxing Day and drive some subscribers but they're no, like nah fuck it here we go let's actually give this a go um, over here I, I read, yeah I read great. With, with the guy who um the sort of programs who is in charge of Sky Originals, and he was asked. It's before the Ferrari thing, but he, he was asked about you know the, the releasing things in cinema versus um, like just putting them straight to streaming. And his thing was, look, we're not going to do it with every Sky original because there's no point. Mm. 
But if there's one, if, yeah. it, if in a meeting room, if we, is it, there's somewhere we don't ask the question, should we release this in the cinema? But then the ones where we do ask the question of should we release this in the cinema, our answer there is, well, if we're asking should we, we actually think that we probably should. So for us, why not? We're not really, we're not, we, we stand very, we stand to lose very little, but gain quite a lot. And yeah, and it, it, it will make money. This is just an insanely dad film. And to have this out there on Boxing Day, that week between Boxing Day and New Year's, I wouldn't be surprised if most showings of this film are fucking busy. Yeah. And also, like, fair play to Sky, they've already started the marketing for it. They talk about it in every single fucking Grand Prix. And Adam Driver did their introduction for, like, their filmed introduction for the US Grand Prix over the weekend. You know, like, they're, they're getting the word out there on the film. I, yeah, I think it's going to do really bloody well. God knows I'll be there Boxing Day, but I think I think a lot of people will be in the screen with me. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely I think there's an appetite for um I think there's an appetite for cinema that isn't that is aimed at um non cinema goers, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. There's an appetite there for people who go to the cinema three, four times a year. Mm. Um and who People who genuinely just are not bothered about the latest franchise movie. Yeah. Because um, it's an idea that, that they don't, that those people don't care, but they actually do. It's just whenever they look and go, ooh, do you to quit the cinema or anything like that? It, it is just franchise stuff. So they don't really bother mm. as much. And it, it, it's kind of why I think there's certain like movies where something like, for instance... Best exotic Marigold Hotel ends up making a decent amount of money. People go, oh, that came out of nowhere. It's like, well, no, it's because it's people who don't give a shit about Iron Man three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, and I, you know, you will get people will be interested in Ferrari because you'll get people like so. You know, Ian, you're interested on a few levels. You're interested on a uh, a level of. From, as a film lover and as an F1 lover, but you'll also get people, car enthusiasts will go and see it. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And, and you, you'll get that element of it. So you'll get a bit more, you, you know, Adam Driver stands might go and see it. I mean, they didn't go and see Gucci, but they might go and see this. Gucci was poor. Um, but yeah. Whereas this actually looks like it could be quite good. Do you know what doesn't look good? Go on. Uh, the Boys in the Boat. <laughs> I think, do you know what? Those boys, I think, if they really try hard and if they don't lose their spirit, guys, I think they're going to win. It's. I think they might just win. I, I, I got introduced to the boys in the boat by somebody and um, had taken the poster and changed it to um, directed by George Clooney. And in the same font on the poster, put the whitest movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> and then I watched the trailer and was like, oh shit, that's so right. Yeah. <laughs> what is Clooney doing? He doesn't. It, the thing is, for years, Clooney has given off this, this, 
for years, he, he, he cultivated and he gave off this air of, like, really cool and kind of continental guy, you know, with his, you know, living in, um, in, in Italy and, you know, doing, like, all these cool movies and, mm-hmm. been a, you know, been, a, been like, like the, like, Silver Fox Prime and all this stuff. And then it's actually like, nah, he just, he's a bit fucking dull, isn't he? It's just become a bit miserable and a bit fucking dull. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks really boring. It, uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's getting to the point now where you're looking at it and going, is he actually a crap filmmaker? Because I thought he was all right. <laughs> like, honestly, this one's heavy. If there is anything else out that weekend, I doubt I'll even bother watching it, this. It, I am heavily... Like, like, if if it's raining outside and I and like I've got the dash into the cinema, I might just watch something else on my iPad in the car park. Yeah, I just who gives a <laughs> fuck? Why does this story need it to be told? Doesn't. It's just so pointless. Um, hey, look, if it comes out and it gets good reviews, maybe I'll reconsider it. But my god, that's a fucking bland trailer. It, it's it's so. If if you'd have taken if you'd have not put George Clooney's name at the end of it and you'd have put a hallmark fucking ident in the bottom right hand corner, yeah, I guarantee you people wouldn't have thought or a lifetime one, people wouldn't have noticed the difference. No. Um, Has he directed anything good though? He had a few at the start of his directorial career where he was doing sort of. I mean, good night and good luck's an absolute yeah. fucking stone cold classic. Dangerous Mind is good. Uh, Eyes of March is good. You know, he... Yeah, Midnight Sky is not no, not terrible. Guy's... It's not but, great, but, but at least it's interesting. This is just, mm. it's, it's just dull. <laughs> it's just fucking dull. Mm. Um. It's a wonderful knife. <laughs> what the fuck? So what really? Shudder, What's that? You know, like around about Christmas time, we get all of like the like the Netflix movies and the um, like. There's another one that like is it the Lifetime do them and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. They do like all these Christmas movies. Mm. Um, Shudder have done one, but in like a horror form. So it stars Justin Long. And mm. it seems to give away that. Well, it very much gives away in the trailer that he is the killer in it, um, and he is killed and stopped by a girl in the town, isn't he? Yeah. And then a year later, she's still traumatized by it, but the town doesn't give a shit. So she does like a "It's a Wonderful Life" wish, saying, "God, I wonder what'd happen if I'd never been born." And then it turns out that. What would you have it? She's not been born, and this killer is now just killing at random, not even just at Christmas, just every like couple of days. But she knows it's the mayor. <laughs> it, just, it, it, it just looks kind of fun. I like the fact that the mayor is dressed up like fucking Demon Knight as well. That why is it like the Oscar Isaac's Marvel one? Yeah, it's a bit actually. Yeah, the thing is, it. I'll watch it because it looks fun, but that trailer gives away far too much information. I'm fine with that. <laughs> it's all. I'm, I'm, I'm going to see how long it is because if this movie is over ninety two minutes, 
It's a wonderful knife. It is 90 minutes. Yes. Perfect. No notes. <laughs> well done, Isabel guys. Isabel plays Gail Prescott. <laughs> G- Gail Prescott. <laughs> really? <laughs> Wow, Scream's now so old that that whole kind of homaging characters by with names and stuff is now... I'm oh, okay. fairly sure yeah. she plays a reporter in it. <laughs> Great stuff, yep. good. So this is on Shudder in like November. I will watch this shit out of that. <laughs> nice. Oh, nice little fucking Jason X tribute in the poster as well <laughs> uh, I think that's it for, oh no wait last one um, mm. the Netflix original documentary Sly yes yeah this is out soon yeah, as well uh, isn't it November 3rd yep um, we'll watch the nice. shit out of a Sly Stallone documentary yeah review it in a couple of weeks yep but that's 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 it for us, the trailers. Nice, good, good stuff. Cool. Okay, so let's talk about Killers of the Flower Moon. IMDb appears to be down, so uh, let's give this a go. Killers of the Flower Moon is directed by Martin Scorsese and stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Lily Gladstone, Robert De Niro, Jesse Plemons, and uh, many others. And this is based on the. True events of uh, 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 just a whole fucking bunch of like ridiculous fucking killings where it's all incredibly obvious who's doing shit, but because it's against the Osage Nation, no one really seems to care. Um, Enter um, Ernest, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, who is basically cajoled by his uncle to uh, marry his wife, uh, well, then Molly played by Lady Gladstone, um, to basically set off a chain of events to try and get at her family's wealth. So, he's a big boy. He's three and a half hours long. Um, going to throw it over to... I'm going to throw it I'm gonna throw it to Mark first, because it's, it's Scorchese. Mark, Killers of the Flower Man. Uh, yeah, it's... We walked out, Bex, didn't we? That's um, going to give the wrong impression. No, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> at the end, we, we, we walked out, and I turned to Bex and said, what I, what I most loved about that movie is it's, three and a, it's a three-and-a-half-hour movie that feels like a two-and-a-half-hour movie, but that it's worthy of its two-and-a-half-hour moviness. And I said something like, for instance, Shawshank Redemption. Mm. It, it's a two-and-a-half-hour movie, but... It, feels like it earns that two and a half hours it's never there's never a baggy point within it no this feels like a two and a half hour movie but it's not it's a three and a half hour movie and i don't think it's baggy at any point and it's not like it's it's not like something like wolf of wall street where that's three hours of just high octane just madness yeah this is a lot more like it's it's a lot closer to something like silence than it is to something like wolf of wall street Mm. Um, which is not necessarily a, a bad thing. Um, it very interesting the fact that they that um, and I watched an interview with Scorsese where he said that when they when they were originally going into making it, um, 
DiCaprio was playing the part that Jesse Plemons played. Mm. Um, and it was going to be more procedural. And Scorsese said that he just didn't, it didn't click with him. So he said rather than doing it from the outside coming in, he wanted to flip it and do it from the outside, from the inside coming out. And it, what it does is it creates this, this incredibly, um, just odd. I think watching it um, from an audience point of view from now, you're looking at uh, the fact that it's not really passing judgment. It's just telling you the event, but it's not. It's also it, it's it's very much not saying look at the poor Osage. It's kind of going, look, look, these definitely deserve this. And this was effectively an all-out American, like, just, like, we don't give a shit because we want, we we whites want that money. We Mm. think we deserve it more. Um, But it was also saying, you know, but the Osage just seemed to just kind of, (laughs) just lord it a little bit. that, that, That was the irksome bit for them which is fine they should be able to lord it um but it's it it just it never seems to it doesn't seem to want to put out its um it doesn't seem to want to just be one side it's showing you the events and letting you as an audience kind of work out who the bad guys are very obviously (laughs) work out because it's going it's De Niro yeah (laughs) um De Niro's just fantastic. And there's a lot of praise going out to Lily Gladstone, and it, there should be, and DiCaprio, but De Niro... But you want to talk about the old 80-year-old white yeah. man, I get it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, just the way that he is... It, he's, he never seems to break from the fact that he's just... Everything, every single conversation he has is a fucking move for him. Everybody that he comes into contact with it, it is just part of this odd game he's playing. Yeah. And the only time that it go that he, he has a moment where he isn't doing it is when it goes mildly wrong for him, and he can't get the insurance money. Yeah. <laughs> and he loses his shit a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. But then it doesn't like it doesn't like all spiral out of control from that. Even when he's like when he gets arrested, he still acts like I'm all in control of this. Um yeah, I am gonna throw it open to other people for now, we'll get more at the boards of it. But yeah, it's it's an incredible piece of work. Um just for the sheer scale of managing to make a three and a half hour epic that doesn't feel baggy. Yeah. So Come on, Bex. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will agree, it doesn't feel like three and a half hours. I'm, I was very glad we went to um, Parkway to see it, and we were in the comfy seat screen, though, because I think it could have, in a, in a less comfortable seat. Um, but yeah, it doesn't doesn't feel like three and a half hours long. It's, um, it's, it's very good. The, I'm not quite as hot on it as, as you are. I, I think the the fact that there was very little character development left it feeling a little hollow for me um, but performances are all very good the um, the story is very interesting I think it 
by design is a bit all surface. So if you actually want to understand like what went on, you'd have to do some back reading because um, it is just presenting what it's presenting rather than really kind of giving you the mm. the bones of it. But um, but that is that is by design. It is showing you what went on during this brief period. Yeah. Um, I do I do feel and I said this to you when we've been to see it. I do feel like I would have probably preferred the original film about the investigation and stuff with the the team that were like undercover in the town and Clemens character and stuff like that I think that would have been been a really good film um, but all that being said it is it, it absolutely fucking flies by and it is it is really interesting but it does make you want to go learn more about what actually happened which I think the film wants you to do yeah that. yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought it was cracking. It's um, that whole. It's a three and a half hour long film that feels like a two and a half hour long film that isn't baggy. Is uh, yeah, yeah, well put there, Mark. And um, it, I, yeah, I don't know. It just it felt it felt lived in. Like I don't know. Everybody. I know it sounds it sounds almost like stupid, but it just felt like everybody was of that place. Mm. Uh, it it felt like a great deal of effort and attention went into it, and um, I like that Scorsese kind of indulges himself in the opening, where it feels very busy and there's a lot of like fast edits and stuff like that, where it's kind of like painting the picture of the place, and then the film slows mm. the fuck down. Yeah. Um, and, and you you know you just kind of get into its rhythm um no, you know re- reading up about it after in the fact that originally it was like because the bu- the book is like the killers of the flower moon like and, and like the title something like the killers of the flower moon and the birth of the fbi or something yeah. like that and it's way more focused on jesse plemons's character and then they they kind of changed that narrative um and i'm I'm glad they. I mean, I'm glad they did for the purposes of this film because the 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 narrative is great and it's anger-inducing as well for just how idiotic these people are and how they just get away with all of this yeah, shit. Yeah, I did. I, I love the claustrophobic um, feeling of like the, these people are living within this town and they don't realize that pretty much everybody that isn't from their tribe wants a piece of them. Mm. And is 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 in on all this yeah. shady shit that's going on. Like I, I I love that kind of it. It holds that tension so well throughout the entire movie. Like that one guy that just keeps marrying different sisters. What a cunt he is. Yeah. And oh god, that one bit where that one guy is like asked, like saying like, so like if I murdered. Yeah my adopted children then you know i'd have i'd lay a, and then the, the the guy is just like well it sounds like you you're saying that you're gonna murder your children and he's like well not if i can't not not if i can't do it nice and legal or something yeah. it's like what the and the great fuck? thing is it is and i think that is it's definitely intentional because everybody in our screening kind of laughed at that but not in a that's funny just as in a holy shit mm. kind of like yeah you know laugh not a oh, isn't he funny? He's gonna murder his kids to get the money. It was just a fucking hell, Scarsese. 
<laughs> really? Yeah. But it, it is like that. Yeah. But but then it's like early on, like the scene where um, DiCaprio first starts driving her around. It's a lot of white people trying to sell ser- their services to the Osage people. And then as the film goes on, every time it's a crowd scene, it kind of feels like the white man just encroaches more and more. You've even got the... And then towards the end of the film... So you've even got the scene within that where um, DiCaprio is chewing out the uh, the Undertaker and saying, you, you, what the fuck are you doing? I'm a white man. You're giving me Osage prices here. Yeah. And it, it's basically... That's there to highlight. Look, this entire town yeah. is built on just, just, just exploiting that money. Mm. Um, and... The Osage are kind of, they kind of know it is, in a way, mm. but they're very much like, you know, but fuck it. We get driven around by the white man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, um, also watching it on an IMAX screen um, or was was wonderful. Um, there's some, I mean, like that imagery at the start, like the oil bur- bursting up and then them just dancing in the oil. That big was fucking yeah, awesome. Um, Especially with the fact that, yeah, what I, yeah. what I, and I had no, I, I didn't expect anything less from Scorsese, was what I loved is the fact that Scorsese doesn't pander and have a, um, an Indian sounding um, score. He just gets fucking Robbie Robertson to just do a fucking full blown guitar score <laughs> for it. And so it feels yeah. like meaty and just not like it's pandering. It is, I'm going to give you a, this is, this is not going to be a traditional movie. I'm not, I am not making effectively a, a Western. Mm. Uh, yeah, it, for it's sure. A, it's, a, it's a great score, and it, it, it yeah, I, it, it's so. I, I, yeah, like I say, it's just it's so lived in. It, it it really uses that runtime to tell that story so evocatively, and like, oh, I tell you what, big fucking owl on that IMAX screen oh, as well. Yeah. Like that, like oh, that was yeah, that was great. I was just reading as well that apparently, like, that was that owl's first uh, on camera role, and whenever it was shooting, DiCaprio went and watched it. <laughs> and I, I, I yeah. love that. DiCaprio's just into watching this owl do its thing. Um, it's the great. Is, you get the um, idea that, that, that weirdly, it, DiCaprio will have taken things from that. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting because the, as as the film goes on, I mean Lily Gladstone, it's an interesting one as well. Her because she, like they're, they're campaigning her for best actress as opposed to best supporting actress, and I I I think that's kind of brave, just because once she's laid up, she like the second half of the film she gets a couple of big scenes. Don't get me wrong. But she's not nearly the presence that she is in the first half. But I think because she is that presence, she is that strong woman taken down slowly and surely. Whereas, you know, Anna, her sister, she, like, that actress packs a punch in, like, the 10, 15 minutes she's on screen. 
and and then and then she's gone. But Lily Gladstone, she fucking lingers, and I thought her character was so complex because I I was kind of thinking towards the end. Jesus fucking Christ, is she just, like, actually willfully myopic? Like, why is she still with him? And it's just, they do love each other. Like, they love each other. It's this fucking weird love. But they love each other. But then the end, just the whole, have you you told me the full truth? You know, like, you know, and what was it? Like, was there anything else in that insulin? He's like, no. And that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Because it's it's almost like the first time that she's actually been able to like see through it. And yeah, I, I don't know. It kind of resonates. We've, we, a friend of ours just broke up with a partner a few weeks back and there's some weird psychological manipulation kind of shit that he's doing. And it makes, uh, yeah. Any, anyway, it just, those kind of twisted kind of like store relationship stories, Thankfully, I don't have any experience of it, but I think by anyway, back to the film. By the end, by the end here, I think you, 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 you get her, you get it, and you see why that was the thing that ended it. And she's, she's, she's cracking. Um, as are John Lithgow and Brendan Fraser. Uh, I just, I love Brendan Fraser calling DiCaprio a boy. <laughs> just that one moment. Give him best supporting five seconds. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's the way he says. I, I, I do the fact that, that Fraser just rocks up, is in like two scenes, but just is. It, it's very much, oh, he gets the assignment. It, I, I've got to come in and be big and overblown. And it's even the way that, um, that Scorsese has Rodrigo Pieta um, shooting him. He's always like shot from as if someone is sat down looking up at him. Yeah. So it just makes him seem bigger. Um, it, yeah, it's. I mean, it's just some really interesting casting in it as well, though. Uh, throughout, you know, having because you've got you know you've got big hitters like um, DiCaprio, De Niro, um, Jesse Plemons turned up, and Fraser, Jonathan Lithgow, but then having like um, they Jason Isabel, isn't it? You know, there's a lot of musicians in this. Yeah. You know, I've just gone through there. You've got Jason Isabel is in it. Um, Sturgill Simpson's in it. Uh, Pete Yarn's in it. And Jack White's in it. <laughs> it's odd for a, for a movie to have that many like, just outright musicians in it. Yeah. <laughs> and like... Oh, they just cast That's it. And, and a couple they? of them are in like quite big acting roles. You're Sturgill Simpson. And, like, all the way through it, whenever he turned up, Henry, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's fucking Sturgill Simpson. <laughs> but I couldn't, like, fully picture it. Um, and then yeah, when uh, Ace Kirby turned up, I was like, is that Pete Yorn? <laughs> it can't be. <laughs> so, yeah, it just... It's... I don't think there's, there's that many moments of true kind of levity in it. I don't think it's it's ever... There's a couple of moments that are amusing in it, but a literal like snap of a moment. Mm. But there are, you know, like like the fact that um, when they get married, they're both laughing at the the like the um, the whole ceremony thing. Mm. It's quite fun, and um, you know, from watching thing with Scorsese, where he said, you know, we wanted to show the fact that you know what it. 
even like people within that community think that a lot of the you know the uh, the pageantry of it, of it of it all yeah is a little bit silly yeah you know they are it's not just people watching from the outside and go this is a bit silly they kind of know it's silly but you know a lot of most pageantry for weddings and things like that is, is kind of silly yeah. You know, we don't have to think that, well, no, it's quite serious just because we don't understand it. You know, most wedding bits are a little bit silly. Yeah. Why can't why can't other cultures' weddings be silly? And it is, it, it's quite it's quite good in that sense, in the fact that, like you said, I think, Ian, I said earlier, it feels quite lived in. And it's not overtly explaining it. It has the opening, which cleverly explains it mm. in, like, the form of, like, newsreel bits. Um, and then at yeah. the end, you know, it's a wonderful thing of going, well, news real bits, because when the story starts, that's how people got news. Mm. And then at the end, going, well, when the story ends, true crime radio was a thing. Mm. And true crime, you know, almost a little bit of nod and a wink to a modern time of going, oh, you know, this is true crime. Fucking, you got, you know, there'll be people out there that, you people watching, you fucking love true crime podcasts. They're not new. <laughs> they were happening a hundred years ago. Yeah. <laughs> on a thing called the radio. Uh, was just a really like, all right, well, well fucking played, Marty. Beautiful way of wrapping it up yeah. as well, rather than just having like a title card. A screen crawl or a title card. Yeah. yeah. It's just such a, yeah, it's, yeah. Such a fun way, and it's it's a it's a guy who what? How old is Scorsese now? Eight hundred and three. Eighty. It, it's a guy who's eight is just having ideas that you go mm. that just makes so much sense that you, you know you there's a lot of filmmakers out there who are approaching that age who all say the same thing when it, they're asked you know you don't make films a lot now and it's like well because it's it's quite tiring. And <laughs> yeah. um, I don't have as many ideas as I used to have. Whereas Scorsese just seems to be the opposite. Yeah. He, he just seems to have just all these ideas. And it's probably because he just watches so much cinema. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't afraid to go, yeah, I'm going to use that. I mean, I'm influenced by that. I'm not copying it, but it's there. Mm. And it's an influence. Why, why, why can't I use these ideas? Nice. Yeah, it, I, I'm fascinated to watch it again because I, I do think there's going to be bits within it that you pick up quite easily. And also, as well, the fact that when the FBI agents come in and anyone with a sort of degree of seriousness comes to start investigating it, it all unravels really easily. <laughs> yeah. He's literally there, like, an hour away from the end of the film and immediately it's like, this is all absolute horseshit. Yeah. And just like, when they meet, when they, like, they meet up and then in, in, the, in the background it's just Robert De Niro torching his fucking mm. place. Yep. But even to the point of where and, and it's yeah. absolutely because I saw somebody in a, a review I read after because I don't I tend to not read reviews before I've watched the movie Yeah, but somebody was saying oh, and it was so obvious that that guy um, was a an FBI plan 
that he just happened to turn up at the same time as the FBI agent. Um, it's like, yeah, you're supposed to know that he's clearly a plant. He literally arrives the same day and says that he's come from Washington <laughs> and he thinks he might have Osage blood. He's clearly there <laughs> to infiltrate. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, but the the fact that he doesn't even, it's not even difficult when they're going, they keep playing the same hand of going, oh, see, you're saying that, you're saying that, yeah. All right, bring him in. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. I, yeah, fucking great film. Terrific film, definitely oh, not shit. Oh, definitely not shit. It's one of the, again, another very easy, definitely not shit. Um, I like having the easy, definitely not shits. Uh, our audience poll. Uh, definitely not shit, 67%. Touching cloth, 22%. And shit, 11%. I ah, did put a poll out on... Instagram as well. Uh, definitely not shit 60% and touching cloth 40%. So our Instagrammers liked it better than our Twitters. Excellent. Oh, nice. Cool. Okay, let's do some what we've been watching. Who wants to start? Or what we've been up to, sorry. Who wants to start? Uh, I've only watched a few solo. What have you watched, Bex, solo? Uh, <laughs> I have watched an awful lot of Haunting Hill House and I thought you watched it all yeah an awful lot is all of it then yeah yeah, yeah right <laughs> um, and one film what film uh, so I watched uh, I'd started it last week but I hadn't finished it so I didn't talk about it watched the end of Perfect Blue all of oh all of nice films are just like fucking fever dreams basically aren't they Mm. Mm. really really good I've seen it before but like years ago um, I forgot how like like creepy it is like she's she's losing her mind basically and I like stuff like that where you go on that journey with them yeah <laughs> that's why the bell jar is one of my favourite books makes me feel sane in comparison um, but yeah really really fucking good um, just... <coughs> sorry I think the the ones that I've watched recently and I want to catch up on the ones that I haven't but what a fucking fantastic filmmaker just the the, the way that it kind of absorbs you into the um, uh, into what's being portrayed and like into the frame of mind of the characters as well I think it's just really really good um, and yeah I watched the entirety of the Haunting of Hill House again, which don't think I've ever managed to do it in a week before. Though I'm quite impressed with myself. Uh, it wasn't even like a week, Bex. It was like it was like four days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think because I was not hugely but mildly disappointed by the fall of the House of Usher, and you know I, there is when you really enjoy something, you can kind of lionize it a little bit, can't you? And then. I, I, I wanted to go back and watch Hill House, not to see, not to ruin it for myself, but just to kind of see if it belonged on this pedestal that I've put it on. Mm. And it really fucking does. It, 
I sent you guys a message. If if Twin Peaks didn't exist, Hill House would be peak TV for me. It would be top of the tree completely. It is just mm. perfect TV, and the way the way that the story wraps around itself and things that you've presented within like the first episode get explained in like the second to last and you go oh okay so that's what was happening there it's it's just it's got such a firm grip on what it's doing that there's, there's no drop stitches at all in that show it is perfect um and yeah i think house of usher for me part of why i didn't love it as much as i wanted to i think the, the characters feel like characters instead of people whereas in and and in in hill house they're just you know wonderful flawed imperfect human beings and it's and yeah and it makes me cry so still even though i know what's coming and that just shows the quality of it yeah definitely it is it, to date for me it is the best work Flanagan's done so far so far what resting on your shoulders life of Chuck <laughs> um, I just I really hope he can get back to that level if he's going to be doing the Dark Tower he does seem to shy with, uh, shine with Stephen King stuff though doesn't he he does yeah so, yeah. Yeah. Cool. The only thing we watched together this week, Becky, was uh, Point Break, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> not had a very filmy week, have we? No, we've not. We were at a, we were at a gig last night, though, weren't we? So, we were. Yeah. Um, and we've had just like a bit of a, a, bit of a busy week. Um, but yeah, what have I watched? Uh, did I speak about Jason's lyric the other day, last week? So I watched Jason's oh, Lyric, which apparently, according to what the Wikipedia I'm looking at, it's an erotic, romantic, psychological drama film. So just everything. It's not very erotic. No. <laughs> like, it's not in any way at all erotic. Forrest uh, Whitaker plays a character called Mad Dog. Yeah, Forrest Whitaker plays a character called Mad Dog. Love it. So it, it's... I think it's a story about two brothers um, who, as children, witnessed the fatal uh, shooting of their abusive father, uh, Mad Dog, played by Forrest Whitaker, who was a very good um, like father, a good guy, um, and then was drafted to Vietnam mm. uh, and then came back in not a very good way. Like, he'd lost um, half of his leg. And uh, literally, I think one of the lines in the movie is he lost half of his leg and uh, um, most of his mind. And he becomes an abusive drunk. So his wife basically kicks him out. And every so often he comes back and tries to get in the house. This one time he does get in the house and then he ends up getting shot by one of the one of his sons. Um, and then it flash forwards um, like 20 years and the kids are a little bit older and um, what would you have it? One of them is um, like the good son, and the other one is the bad son. Who's the good son? The good son is played by uh, Alan Payne, and the bad son is played by Buck and Woodbine. He's great. What? I like him. Buck and Woodbine. Yeah, he's the uncle in Queen and Slim, isn't he? Yeah. 
Um, and he's he's very good in this. And it, the thing is, it plays out like this quite small town story of uh, of one brother just trying to get out and constantly having to be held back by his idiot, hothead, younger brother. Yeah. Um, and then you know the um, Jason, and this is the bit where it's gonna make you cringe a little bit. So Jason. He, he, he's got a, a good job you're going to you're going to just pull the face can't you bet you've just found out why um, so, so Jason he's got a way out he's got a decent job and he's about to move out of like of the, 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 the town that he's been stuck in um, and he's going to take the girlfriend that he's got in this town played by uh, Jada Pinkett before she was Jada Pinkett Smith do you know what she's called? Well, I do because I'm looking at the IMDb. What's she called, Becky? She's called fucking Lyric. So that is it, Jason's Lyric. Gross. Yep. Um, the erotic bit, bit is at one point they fuck in a field. That's about it. It's <laughs> not very erotic. Um, but the problem is the story of them and their relationship is terrible. <laughs> right. But the, but the, the brother, like, him having to constantly get his brother out of trouble a bit is quite good. Mm. So it ends up, but the problem is it's trying to focus too much on that other relationship that you just go, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> and it's it keeps referring back to the, the, the moment when uh, Mad Dog gets shot and you're obviously there going, oh, well, it's Buck and Wood by, isn't it? Because he was the hothead and he had the gun and everything like that. And that's what the movie's like going, oh, it's that, it's that, it's that. But actually, as a film watcher, you're watching it going, well, it's clearly not him, then. Mm. <laughs> it's clearly the fact that um, that Jason killed him. Before he got his lyric. Yeah, before he got his lyric. Um, yeah. It's, it, 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 it's fine. <laughs> um, I also watched... <laughs> going from one end of the spectrum to the fucking other, I re-watched Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. Good Lord. Why? Curiosity. You show that number two who's <laughs> boss, boy. Um, the thing is, it's fine. It's kind of fine. It's Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. There's some really funny bits in it. There's some great visual gags. The the, the Mike Myers face as Austin Powers is getting is coming out of cryo frozen. And is going through the whole process. Mm. Is is just funny. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> I know it probably shouldn't be, but it's funny. And that's the problem is it's funny at a lot of points where it probably you know when when it's not trying to do too crass a humour, it is quite funny. And it's more there's a mental thing about the fact that Mike Myers doesn't get spoken about enough for literally how successful he was between 1992 and what? When did the third Austin Powers movie come out? 2002? So he had like a... Yeah, or three. So he had like a 10-year period where he he made two characters where he had Wayne... And Austin Powers. In a ten-year period, he made like five movies for like less than two hundred million dollars that made like over a billion dollars. Yeah. 
you know, even then, and then after that, he had like the, you know, or within that period as well, you know, he had massive success with Trek as well at the same time. Yeah. You know, it's kind of bonkers that he now just, I think he did a series for Netflix recently. Mm. And it's just, you know, he keeps talking about the fact that, you know, I saw an interview with him from earlier on this year. Where he was saying, you know, he was asking, you know, why didn't you make more Austin Powers movies? And he's like, because I had kids and I enjoyed being a dad. And that was more interesting to me than making a Austin Powers movie. I was asked, you know, that then was like, would you like to make another one? I went, yeah, I think it'd kind of be fun to make another movie. And like, well, you know, even with like the different sensibilities, I went, yeah, because you just, you just make it taking those into account, not riling against them, but kind of making them part of the story and working out how, how do you do that? How do you still make a fun story with this character without essentially just being an arsehole? <laughs> Fair. Um, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Well, IMDb says that the upcoming projects are Wayne's World 3 and Austin Powers 4. Yeah, but I just think that they're like projects that are always there if they ever decide <laughs> just in to. Case, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, mean, I think they are doing another Shrek movie at the moment, aren't they? I don't know. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, and then the, 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 the last one I watched was a... Um, if you're going to go from like Jason's lyric to... Austin Powers uh, into some man of mystery. In the middle ground here, I watched um, Rod Lurie's uh, Robert Redford uh, and James Gandolfini starring The Last Castle. Have you ever seen oh, it? Yeah. I, I haven't okay. seen it before. No, no. Um, music by Jerry Goldsmith and Tom Waits. <laughs> yeah. Solid. Um, it's... So it's a prison drama, but it's set in a a, a military prison. Um, and James Gandolfini essentially is the um, is the prison sort of like is is the prison warden essentially. Um, and he's a. It starts off the film starts off with him basically polishing his collection of military regalia he's got, and then a phone call comes in, and it turns out they're getting. Um, like this, um, a prisoner that's coming to them. Um, this lieutenant general, this like absolute war hero, played by Robert Redford, is coming to their prison, and everybody is in like awe of him, including um, James Gandolfini's character. But very early on, within like their first meeting with him. Um, James Gandolfini's character is saying, oh, I, I never would normally do this, but I have a lot of books on warfare, including your book. Will you sign it for me? And while he's out of the room, Rod, Rod Redford's character is talking to one of the other um, sort of prison officers there, military prison officers there, who is talking about like, his, his amazing collection of military regalia he's got. And Rod Redford's like, character's going, Yeah, anybody who has this much, you know, has this big a collection has clearly never seen actual action or battle ever and that just pisses off Gandolfini's character and it just becomes this film where it's Robert Redford's character versus James Gandolfini's character and it makes it very obvious from the start that 
James Gandolfini is very much out of his depth, or Robert Redford is just... He's playing it in a very Robert Redford way, <laughs> is what I would say. Um, it's mm. like two hours, ten minutes long, but I'm going to be honest, I had a great time watching it. <laughs> You've got supporting performances from Mark Ruffalo, um, Delroy Lindau's in it, Clifton Collins Jr. is there. Um, let's say a really good score. And it's just, it's... I mean, it, it's kind of famous for the fact that it it cost a lot of money and then just didn't make any. <laughs> um, but it, it, I just, it doesn't stop it from being a, a really quite entertaining watch. To be honest, I, I, I very much enjoyed it. It's Redford being Robert Redford, Gandolfini playing kind of, you know, very much a guy who has got way too much power. Um, that his ego can't contain it. Um, and Ruffalo, hmm. being Mark Ruffalo, very kind of like, just, it's a good early Mark Ruffalo performance where you can see that he's gone on to become, you know, a big star you know, within it. Yeah. I, I had a really good time with it. I would say it would be a good kind of like, I, I, either something like a good afternoon watch or a good, like, Plain watch or something like that for you, Ian. Yeah, nice. I had a real good time with it. Um, I've hovered over it for like a good number of years and then went, ah, fuck it. And the habit. So I watched it over a couple of lunch hours at work. Um, and yeah, I, I, I kind of, I almost <laughs> in a little bit wish that I'd just watched it just on a day off yeah. during the day where I could have watched it in one big block. I think it would have benefited from that. Mm. But that's yeah, that, that's it nice. uh, for, for, for us. Okay, so I've got a few things. So um took a look at Haunted Mansion from this year that I know... Um, Where are we at on the hmm. Oh, good call. Um, so I think I've got... I've just poured myself a glass. Yeah. I think I've got one and a half large glasses left. How's it? How's it hitting? Is it good? It's, it's going well. Um, is it that we want me to have finished this bottle by the time <laughs> we finish? Just wait to see where you get to it. Yeah. All right. Drinking it, drink right. it at a, like an oh, organic uh, uh, pace that, that feels right, and we'll see where we're at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I can do that. Fine. So, yeah, strap in. I've got a nice. few here. So, haunted mansion. Um, had a look at uh, that. I know Bex talked about it a few weeks back when she went to see it at the cinema. Um, yeah, like for the first half hour, I was like, Bex is mad. This is great. <laughs> I thought it started really strong. Um, but man, this film is really busy. Mm. Um, like, just too much going too many on. Smashed into one, isn't it? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, massive green screen vibes throughout the whole thing. It barely looks like there was a shot that wasn't against the green screen for the entire thing. Um, there's like no practical production value to the thing whatsoever. Um, Lakeith Stanfield's good. I mean, actually, the cast as a whole is good. T- Tiffany Haddish is having fun. Um, 
DeVito's like funny. There's one scene where they're talking to him in a restaurant and he just appears to have like this big suit where it's just trying to collect sweat on or something. I don't know what that was about. That was it just kind of feels like something that Danny DeVito is just wearing on the day. Um, um, but yeah, like, and it's amazing as well because like the opening credits are like, and Jared Leto as the hat box ghost. I'm just like, all right, cool. I'm waiting for Jared Leto to like rock up. And then it just occurs to me at the end. Oh, he's the CG guy. Who's the main bad guy with a digitally altered voice. And it's like, that actually could have been anyone. I could have played that role. <laughs> it's so weird that that's Jared Leto. With Ian Loring like, as not they, Jared Leto. I mean, sure. Like, they... And it's so weird, because they say, as the hatbox ghost. And, like, he's named in the film. So it's like they're trying to trip you up. Or, like, just... It's almost like contractually Jared Leto had to be in the credits, but the filmmakers don't want to tell you who he's playing and they digitally scrub his entire performance. It It's bizarre. It's really weird. Um, I will say as well, Owen Wilson plays this priest character and it honestly feels like there was some producer at Disney who was just like, you must have at least two white men in this film. <laughs> Because the film is, to its credit, pretty diverse. And then Owen Wilson and Danny DeVito are in it. And Danny DeVito is bringing some colour and character to it. Owen Wilson, no. On, on, it's very, very odd. It just felt that like it was a contractual thing to include Owen Wilson. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was pretty disappointed by <laughs> like it. They had, like, I, like they had a couple yeah, of days left really from like, Loki on his contract. <laughs> Yeah, and it was like, oh, fuck it. All right, Owen, yeah, go on, do this. Like, he's in it a good amount, but he adds nothing. It, it, yeah, so, uh, yeah, this, I, I can see why this just sank without a trace, to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it, and, you know, it's the guy who directed Dear White People, and he's doing he did this. He hundred million, which I'm surprised at, to be honest. Like, yeah. worldwide, yeah? Like, no, not no, domestic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and, I mean, that, it, it 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 will have lost money. That film costs. Oh yeah, a yeah, yeah. Chunk. I think it costs about one hundred and fifty. So you know, uh, yeah, just there's 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 moments of promise in it, but by the end, it was just like, yeah, all right, that happened. Um, okay, so um, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Uh, this is on Netflix. Yeah. I, um, I, I couldn't get on with this the first time I watched it, and I've been wanting to kind of give it another go for a long while, just to because I think I'm, I, so, I I genuinely think I am wrong. <laughs> the thing is, right, looking at Letterboxd and seeing younger people, well, what do I see of the younger people review this? It's just like, oh, it's so fucking slow. Oh, it's so boring. It's either that or thirsty comments about Tom Hardy or Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, Tom Hardy has never looked and... worse than he looks in this film. Oh, he's got a wig on, he? He's got a wig on. And he's wearing just like real fucking old man jumpers throughout it. I mean, that's a kink. Mm. Have you seen some of the jumpers people wear now? The thing is... But it's, no, they're not those it kind is of a kink. Like jumpers you'd get from like Asda. Yeah. 
But it, it it's not a good it's, cable knit, like Chris I, I read fucking what? Yeah. Knives out. Sorry, Ian. I, no, no, no. You're all right. Don't worry. Um, the thing is, it is slow, and it, it but and it's like people are saying it, it's confusing, and I am a little bit. Or you could just pay attention for a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, there, there, there is a lot of talking and there's a lot of flashbacks and things like that. But to be honest, by the end, it's like, yeah, that makes complete sense to me. Thank you very much. And I'm not saying that I'm a Mr. Smarty Pants. It's just, yeah, I just paid attention. Score, fucking rules. I love the look of it. Gary Oldman in it. He's so understated. And it's like there's this one moment where like towards the end where he gets angry at someone and it's like it's like fuck me. Alright, he's he's on one now and all he's really doing is raising his voice. It's great. It is a great film. Hoytman Hoytman. Um and um Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I I I wish they did I wish they did more of these. Like just more George Smiley films, please. Um, so yeah, great stuff. Right, um, and then uh, the rest of it is uh, basically horror inflected all the time. Oh no, apart from Trolls Band Together, you can't call that a horror <laughs> film. Sorry. Uh, well, I mean, uh, no, maybe some will. Um, so look, Trolls Band Together is uh, absolutely a step up from Trolls World Tour. Um, it's not as good as Trolls. It doesn't quite have the weirdly almost like handmade aesthetic that the first Trolls has, but it's got more of the surreal spirit and good time vibes of the first one. Um, It's a you, but there is a joke about how uh, two, um, two characters are kidnapped and one says to the other, well, I didn't expect both of us to be tied up on our honeymoon. Um, in a U. Um, yeah, you know, and uh, I mean, yeah, like Noel came out of it saying, "There's a lot of sex jokes in Trolls Free." It's like, yeah, kind of actually. Uh, like the those two characters, one of them is just like really, really fucking horny, um, and it, it, it's yeah, it's odd. Um, but look, it's a celebration of boy bands. And I sure, why not? Pretty, you know, pretty fucking harmless. Looks good. Had a couple of decent laughs in it. Um, there's a baby who um, pretends to have a driving license where he's called Adulty McMahon Face. <laughs> and I quite enjoyed that, I won't lie. Um, <laughs> you see, that's the thing, Mark's laughing. Um, and and yeah, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was perfectly harmless. I had a good time with it. Like lots really made, enjoyed it, and I can I can see why. And the kid, sorry, cry. I mean no, I'm sorry, but I it, like Adulty McMahon face is a very it is, funny I will watch name. It just based on that uh, joke. <laughs> um. So yeah, no, good. Uh, so that's Trolls Band Together. Uh, it, 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 like honestly, not that bad. Is that the character played by Chris and Mince Platt? Because I kind of hope it is. 
damn. No, God, that would be incredible. No, he's he's um the one who um she wasn't. It, it, his wife says to him, "I wasn't expecting both of us to get tied up right. on our honeymoon." And that's Zoe Deschanel um, who says that. Yeah, but no. Um, and that's Zoe Deschanel who says that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So yeah, there we are. Trolls band together. Um. Not bad. Um. Okie dokie. No, it's Keenan Thompson who says that. I think because he he plays a small, glittery creature. Oh, yeah. Um. But with Keenan Thompson's <laughs> voice. Um. And there's a whole running thing about how he's a grown up, and so he does all the driving, um, and he's called Adulty McMahon Face. Um, it, yeah, it's good. It's good. Trolls band together, not bad. Good time yes. at the cinema and short as well. Like the it, the credits came up, and Lossie was just like, "That was really short." And I looked at my watch; it was like, "Yeah, it was about eighty minutes, kid." You're right. Yeah, it was. You know. So um, yeah, there we are. Okay, so now uh, pretty much all horror all the time. So uh, rewatched Beetlejuice, and it was the first time Donna had ever watched Beetlejuice. And like at the end of it, Donna was just like, "That was a really weird film." Um, Beetlejuice two is going to be yeah. fascinating because Tim Burton has said there's like no CG in it; it's all practical has effects, it? which sounds. Yeah, that, 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 that's just made my excitement levels go from being very worried to, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, but I could see, I think they're going to have to reduce the horny level. Because I could see the teens and young adults of today going, <laughs> nope. Absolutely fucking not. Yeah, because literally, he is trying to marry a teenager. <laughs> he's doing that, and it's like every five seconds, whenever he's talking to Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin, he's trying to like go for a tits <laughs> or a ass. Um, it. He's a horny old yeah, boy. He opens um, a brothel. Just, well, he walks into that brothel. Don't he? he's like, like he's doing a little dance as he's fucking walking <laughs> it. It's at. It bonkers, bonkers film. I mean, everybody knows that. Like, just how was that film just an absolute like pop culture sensation? I think it's wonderful that it was. Don't get me wrong. It's just we. I don't think we'll ever live in those times again. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I, I think the Beetlejuice two is going to be something. Yeah, and I'm going to. It's going to sound mental. For this, I think one of the closest things you could get for like to this kind of thing would be something like Barbie. Not in terms of like style, but in terms of just the sheer oddity of the concept. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, do 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 we have any idea what Beetlejuice Two is about? Because the sequel was going to be like Beetlejuice's Hawaiian vacation for like the longest yeah, uh, time. No, they've, they've, they've um, not let on what it's about. Other than like General Tagus playing Winona Ryder's yeah. daughter, and that's kind of yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, fas- fascinating. Um, okay, so also, uh, so I, I was looking on Netflix for something what to watch, and it was like, right, Beetlejuice's wife. Yeah. It, it's the it's Monica Bellucci. Who is 
Monica Bellucci is playing Beetlejuice's yeah, it's wife. It's the latest in the collection of Tim Burton casting his partners in things. She's with yeah. Tim Burton? Yeah. Fuck me, Monica. Yeah. That's standards. Yeah, That's Tim Burton has had some... But he's Tim Burton. Like, he's got a whole thing, hasn't he? Yep. He's, he's had some fascinating relationships for a guy who looks like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm looking through Netflix. This is Netflix film I just don't think I'd ever heard of, even though looking at Letterbox, Noel watched it when it came out a couple of years back. So um, this is directed by the guy who did the, the Creep films, the the ones with the Duplass. Oh guy, yeah, one one or the other of the Duplasses. So um, uh, the, the film is there's someone inside your house, um, where. Technically, that's correct. Twice, there's someone inside someone's house. <laughs> Occasionally, people might be in your um, house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, based, but it's based on a, a, a young adult novel of the same name. So, essentially, this is um, a, a kind of like a scream, a, a, but about cancel culture rather than horror films, um, where. So the like, if I just say like the opening, like the opening, like five minutes or so. So like, there's this house and this American football player kid, school kid, as um, he's at his house, he's gone to sleep, he wakes up, and there are a bunch of photos everywhere of him uh, basically kicking the shit out of a uh, teammate who's just come out as gay, and then the killer comes in and he's got a 3D printed mask of the footballer's face and then kills him. And the whole thing is basically a killer exposing people's, like, secrets and then, like, kind of, like, texting it to everybody in the community, however the fuck that happens, and then killing them while wearing a 3D printed version of their face. Okay. And that is, I think that's a cool yeah. idea. I think I started watching this. Has right? It, has it been on Netflix a little while? Right. A couple of years. Go on. <laughs> and I, so I, I think that's great. And then like your central kind of like cast of characters, you've got this girl who has definitely got like a secret and she's changed her name and, and moved to this place. And a bunch of other people, and then you know they like people start getting picked off and whatnot. So in like the first half hour, there's quite a lot of good dark comedy, and in the first half of the film, they're almost painting it as actually, am I supposed to like these people or not? Like because they're kind of dickheads. And then the second half, it's like, nah, fuck that. They're all just being stalked by someone and one of them's actually the killer and, you know, guess which one? And it it, it just loses the bite that it had. It's also not helped by the fact that the, the lead girl is, like, shagging this guy who is this loner who is, like, basically singled out as the murderer by people but whenever he's around and she's with her friends, one of her other friends is like, fuck off, creep, 
creepy guy. You go fuck yourself. Fuck off. And she doesn't do anything to defend him. And it's just this really weird. She just booty calls the guy every now and then. And he just seems to go with it. And I, I, yeah, it was just this weird kind of like, okay, is that an insight into high school relationships these days? Because Jesus Christ, no, actually, I think it's just poor filmmaking. So, or a poor screenplay, more likely. So, it's got interesting things in it. It's got good ideas, but the execution is shit. Yeah. (laughs) But, the good ideas, if, if, if you're so inclined maybe make it worth a watch like on our rating scale it's a touching cloth for me yeah um because it, it is brutal as well like it it's satisfyingly bloody um oh, sounds like a you watch back in. but it's also yeah. less interesting as it goes on i'll give it another go yeah <laughs> yeah there we are um and then finishing up did a bit of a double bill to be followed up by another double bill uh, this week, I think. So uh, I got the Psycho 4K collection, the Arrow box set. Um, so uh, I've been starting to make my way through these. So uh watched Psycho for the first time since I wrote my dissertation. Um, so, yeah, so that's been 18 years. Um, and, uh, yeah, the... the the Arrow did so in this collection. The Arrow disc is literally the universal 4K that had already come out. The box art's different, but the the disc itself, literally, you boot it up, it's not like the normal Arrow oh, stuff. It's just the, it's just the universal yeah. disc. Yeah. So, um, which uh, was a little bit disappointing, but um, uh, it's a good transfer. I mean, Psycho, mm. Psycho. Um, it. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd weirdly forgotten just how much Janet Lee is actually in it. Like, she's not killed off until about 45, 50 mm. minutes in. Um, and, uh, I mean, that... that uh, it, it's Psycho, for fuck's sake. You know, I, I, I don't... I, I, to be honest, I, I want to talk about Psycho 2 more. So, Psycho is great until the psychiatrist at the end explains everything. Um... But then you get the very last scene of uh, like mother talking and it's the shot of Anthony Perkins. Then he kind of like smiles at the screen and it kind of like it superimposes the face of a corpse on his head and it's awesome. Um, And he wouldn't hurt a fly or she wouldn't hurt a fly. Um, So Psycho 2. First off, the 4K has got some weird discarolization at the start, which I commented about on Blue Sky um and then uh listener to the show chris replied saying oh yeah you know uh, people have actually kind of like have actually commented on this two arrow so it's a thing and every now and then there are individual shots that look a bit shonky but then most of the transfer is like this film should never actually look Mm. this good it's psycho 2 stop looking as good as you do um but yeah Psycho 2, what is you guys' experience with Psycho 2? Uh, I, I just remember watching it on VHS, like on a rental back in the day, um, for the simple fact that I I think I rented Psycho. Mm. Uh, it, it, it'll have been like one Halloween. I rented like a bunch of Halloween movies. I think I rented Ambulance 
the James L. Jones and Eric Roberts movie. Not Ambulance. No, um, Ambulance. And I read it's Psycho and Psycho 2. Um, and that will have probably been in about 1993. Bad so I haven't seen it since then. <laughs> I haven't seen it at all. Bex? Right. Okay. I want to be spoilery. That's fine. It's a real old film. It's as old as Okay. Me. All right. Oh, so. It's 40 years old. Wow. So, and, and this is the thing. It's like over 20 years since yeah. the original. You know. Uh, it, and like, which feels unheard of these days, you know. Um, so... Norman is uh, declared sane and uh, he's released. Vera Miles reprising her role from the first film as well um, is there basically saying, well, I've got we've got this petition. It was signed by like 700 people. He's fucking Norman Bates. He needs to stay locked up. Um, Norman goes back to the motel and uh, picks up a job working in a local diner where he's befriended by a uh, young Meg Tilly. Um, and um, his doctor, played by Robert Lozier, um, is like trying to, trying to support him. But immediately, he starts... like he, As soon as he, get back, he gets back to the house, he sees something in the window that looks like his mother. The diner that he's working at one of like the orders that he picks up is an, a note from mother. And it's all this st- like stuff about what, you know, what, what the fuck is going on? Because obviously it's not mother. Um, and it, it goes on and it, like Meg Tilly becomes a friend of his and like the, but it start it's ratcheting up. And then, there is a mother figure who starts killing people, kills Dennis Franz, um, who uh, plays this uh, the scuzzy ex-manager of the motel who Norman fires. It's Dennis Franz, just doing beautiful Dennis Franz. <laughs> just absolutely chef's kiss, scuzzy, blowouty Dennis Franz. It's amazing. And I, I'd, I'd seen the film before, and I knew that there's this whole someone or some people are trying to make Norman believe that mother is back. But I'd forgotten how it ended. So it's revealed through the course of the film that um, about halfway through that Meg Tilly is Vera Miles's daughter and they, they are together trying to make Norman like go mad again. Um, But Meg Tilly is like, snaps herself out of it and she actually likes him and she doesn't think that he deserves it and he's not he is actually not any mad any mad anymore he is reformed um but there is someone dressed as mother who kills dennis france kills a kills a another random like teenager and stuff and it's like what the fuck's going on and i couldn't remember what was going on and for a bit i was thinking like oh shit is robert Lozier involved in this and then He's killed. And then Vera Miles is killed. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? I do not remember what's going on. And then 
Norman seems to be going into full psychosis because he's on the phone to mother, talking to her. But then, like, Meg Tilly picks up the other end of the, the phone, like, upstairs. And he's like, he's not talking to anyone. What the fuck is going on? So, things happen. Like, Meg, Meg Tilly dies. Um, she is shot by police because she's actually trying to kill Norman because she she thinks he has gone mad, um, finally. And then the ending, the it's like there's like five minutes before credits. It's like, what <laughs> the fuck? I do not know where this is going because the mother figure is still out there. It's definitely not Norman. What the fuck? But through like the last 20 minutes or so, Norman's been saying, mother told me that Mrs. Bates actually wasn't my mother and that I, I like, she's my mother and I need to protect her and I need to take care of her. It's like, so in the last scene of the film, Norman go is home. He sat at his kitchen table, and then Mother comes up to the door. It's like, what the fuck's going on? Opens the door, and it's this woman who was in one scene. She was like the the wife of the owner of the diner that Norman took the job at. And she's at one in one scene at the start, and then she's like, "Yeah, M- Mrs. Bates was my sister. I had you, couldn't handle it, and then I was committed myself. Um, and now I've come out, and I kn- I saw that these people were trying to make you mad, and I had to protect you. So then Norman's just like, "Mother, would you like a cup of tea?" She sits down, he makes her a cup of tea. Would you like a sandwich? Oh, no, I'm okay. And as he's saying all this, Norman picks up a shovel and then just fucking bashes her on the head. She dies. He picks her up, starts talking to her as mother, walking up the stairs, and then they disappear into her room. And then he starts doing her voice. And then, so the end is just the cycle has started again. Now he's got his actual mother's corpse up in in the room, and he's psycho Norman Bates again. And it's just honestly, I I don't know, but it's bonkers. It's great, <laughs> and you know, like I I said spoilers at the start, so you know. But I had such a fun time watching this. And, like, that ending is so dark. Because at the start of the film, he is sane. He is back to normal. And there's plenty of times through this film where he's just like, no, 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 it's someone doing this to me. It's someone playing a trick on me. And it is so sad that it's a combination of these people gaslighting him. And I I did feel it was a bit... Vera Miles plays this sister character in the first one. She's very sympathetic. In this, she's not at all. I thought that was kind of an interesting choice. Um, But they're trying to make him mad. You've got his actual mother doing these killings as well. And it's just absolutely conspiring to make Norman go mad again. So it's got this batshit ending that actually, when you think about it, it's so sad. It's so sad because he's just back in that place again. Um, but I'm, I'm, 
yeah, it's really, it's schlocky, don't get me wrong. But my God, you're making a 20 plus year sequel to Psycho. Yeah. And that is an interesting direction to take it. Fair play. Shot by Dean yeah. Cundy, scored by Jerry Goldsmith, written by Tom Holland, who like went on to do Fright Night. Man, yeah, like this it is good, schlocky, fair play. You followed up Psycho stuff. And then the Psycho 3. Bonkers. <laughs> Yeah, and I like that. Uh, so I've started watching Psycho Three last night. I said this to Mark already, but I honestly thought I put the wrong film on when this started because <laughs> you got the Universal logo, and then it's a black screen, and it's just a woman shouting, "There is no God!" It's like, right, okay, <laughs> strong choice, and it's a nun in a bell tower who's just like run up to the top of the bell tower, about to kill herself. A bunch of other nuns run up to her and then she accidentally pushes her mother superior off the inside of the bell tower. She falls to her death and then all the other nuns are just like, you're going to hell for that. You're going to hell. And then she just runs off and then the credits start. It's like, okay, yeah, it is Psycho Free. Yeah. Cool. Directed by Anthony Perkins as well. Where's that going? It is. Score by Carter <laughs> Burwell. You know, it's from 1985. I'm gonna. I, I think I will. I may well watch the rest of it tonight. I'm looking forward to it. But man, yeah, I'm having a good time here. And honestly, Psycho too, like beautiful, stupid, but fulfilling '80s horror. Yeah, good on it. I think it. it's his second Carter Burnwell second movie he scored after Blood Simple. Nice, nice. I like the I like the idea of Anthony Perkins watching Blood Simple and going like, "That's the tone I want for Psycho Three. <laughs> Give me this guy." Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, so yeah, there we go. I'll talk more Psycho next week. It'll be post Halloween, but you know, okay. hey, never mind. Right, cool. That is me. Twitter questions. Uh, we do our Instagram question first of all. Because you know we, we did get asked about uh, okay. Instagram, so I, I have put a bit more out, and we I will we will start using it a little bit more. But we did have a question on the Instagram. And we had two questions on Instagram actually. Uh, but another one since we started recording. Um, so um, <laughs> it's uh, Andrew Jones asks um, Scorsese has to make a live action remake of a DreamWorks um, film. Which one are you picking? But you can't take Shark Tale. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Right, DreamWorks. Let's have a look. Films. DreamWorks films. Let's have a look. Uh, Madagascar Free, Europe's Most Wanted. DreamWorks. This is animated productions. Co-written by Noah Baumbach. So, you know. Oh, God, yeah. They still have a good it? script. Um, What am I going for? Is Ant the one with the really nasty, like, military Ant-Man? Yeah. I don't know. I think he'd do a really good Prince of Egypt as well, though, to be fair. I want him to do a boss baby. <laughs> a boss baby. But with with just, like, a live-action version of it. But Alec Baldwin is still playing the boss baby, but just as Alec Baldwin. 
but yeah, yeah, I think I'm going. Prince and Egypt. everybody else sees him as a baby, but he's just Al. It's just Alec Baldwin in a suit. Yeah, I'm going Prince of Egypt. I think that feels Scorsese-ish enough anyway. Uh, and uh, Zombievish uh, asks us, as UK folk, do you still import lots some any non-UK blues asking for a Canada where it's expensive as fuck? What was the question uh, again? As UK folks, uh, do you still... Still is in brackets and question mark, uh, import some or uh, any uh, non-UK uh, Blu-rays, so Blu-rays, 4Ks, whatever. Do you know what? It's an interesting one, because I actually changed my 4K player oh, did last you? week. Oh, God. Did, did it break? No, I got, a mul- uh, I got one that can play all Blu-ray region discs. Nice. So... Yeah, I think I'm going to get start start again importing because I used to quite a lot because there's a lot of catalog stuff released in the four in 4K in the US that's not released over here. Um like a lot. Like um there's a four disc JFK set coming out through Shout Factory. Which is a distributor that has no presence in the UK yeah, whatsoever. So I'm fairly certain um, 4K of Streets of Fire uh, and Warriors as well that isn't UK. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, mean Streets is coming out on Criterion in the US next month, and I don't think Criterion have got the rights over here because even though Criterion have just started putting out 4K over here, like the Blu-rays as well, if they don't have the rights to the title over here you know, on Blu-ray, they won't on 4K either. So it's a real crapshoot about what they can actually get in 4K over here. Um, so it kind of enables that as well. So I, I I, think, yeah, that's something I'm looking into. But it is also... Because I bought, I, I, I bought that almost to, like, future-proof myself. But at the same time, it's really expensive to import mm. shit these days. Like you look at you're looking at like forty quid per four K. Yeah, I mean, for like a new release title, that's fucking that's expensive. Fair we used to, you know, back in the day with DVD, didn't we? Mm. We used to import quite a bit um, because often you could get it, it was different. I mean, I think this was like this was pre-streaming. Yeah. So you know, I it would be um, often more indie titles, wouldn't it? So yeah, special edition stuff. Um, and special edition stuff. I, I, I remember, like, I mean, one of them we reported was... Um, Slice. Th- Slice, but the, also things like um, Death Proof and Planet Terror. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they we imported them about, what, about six, seven months before they came out in the UK. Mm. Um, that's it I don't think the disparity in release dates is there no it's it's, it's not as much and stuff like like, like Half Nelson we got nearly a year before yeah Um, so we used to we used to do it fairly often but not done it for a a, a number of years but not saying that I won't do it again at some point Uh, right Twitter questions 
Uh, Sisu, I've been watching some folk horror. I was listening to an old episode where you were hammering Midsommar. Uh, I rewatched it myself yesterday and thought, as it's false, but are reasonably entertaining with some things to think about. Uh, it's no Wicker Man, however. Uh, would any of you give it another go? I'd like to give Midsummer another yeah, go. Yeah. Is, is what I would say on that. I'm more than up for giving yeah. it another go. After Bo is Afraid, I think I need to re-watch both of Astor's I'm, previous, but with the mind of maybe this isn't horror horror, even though it does... I think maybe it was Empire or Total Film did a like top 50 horror films of all time list very recently, and Hereditary was number one. And I am just a bit like, fuck me, that's some recency yeah. bias. And it makes me it makes me want to like it less, if I'm honest. I, 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 I will go, I, I go, but I still, in my mind, I still remember it quite well. Hmm. I, I still maintain Ari Aster is making black comedies. I wouldn't mind watching it through that lens. Yeah, that I, I, I am convinced yeah. that film is a comedy and Ari Aster fucking knows it mm. and he is trolling people. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of love it for that. I liked Midsommar. I think I give it four out of five. You're an idiot, though. Uh, but I liked it for the fact that I just genuinely think it, it, he's taking the fucking piss. Yeah. And I kind of love that about it. Um <laughs> All right, Rick Kidd. Uh, how long a runtime is too long to see a film in the cinema? I have a number of friends say they won't see Killers of the Flower Moon at the cinema because it's three and a half hours and they'll wait until it's on streaming. Can I just say, on um, that, I, I actually genuinely think that's perfectly fair enough. Yeah, left to my yeah. own devices, I would have watched <laughs> so it. So do I. Room, and it was only because you were really heavy keen yeah, to see it. But, but that's it. I, I, I mean, we went to see the you know the Irishman. I want to see that. I, I, but if somebody turns up to me and goes, geez, that's three and a half hours, because it's not three and a half hours, because you've got, you've got credits, you've got uh, trailers and bits. So it pushes it to, to touching four hours. Mm. Plus, I'm also accepting of the fact that people have got to get to the cinema and get home. Mm. So it, it, is, it is an endeavour where you are basically blocking out, I would say, in excess of four hours out of a day. To go and see if if we had anything on over this weekend, I'd have been yeah. fucked for Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm very, very glad that we were basically we had a very intentional. We're not going to do much this weekend. Well, yeah, weekend. We, I mean, um, we watched it yeah. because of the way that my shifts were at work, mm. um, and I wasn't. You know, my next day off was was today. We wouldn't have been able to get to it because of the screening times and things mm. like that. Um, we went to see it on Monday night, didn't we? Yeah. At like seven o'clock. But we didn't get home until after 11 o'clock, did we? And I was at work the next morning at seven, so I had to get up at half five to get to work. So Going straight from work as well, so we didn't eat before, did we? So. No, so, so there, was, there, was, there was bits of that. But I'm, I'm happy to do that for Scorsese and for this movie, because I've been waiting for it for four and a bit years. <laughs> uh, but I, I, no, I think the thing is, Personally, it doesn't bother me going to the cinema for for three hours, the three and a bit hours. Mm. Um, but I can see why other people would prefer to just wait and watch that at home. 
Yeah, especially with it coming out on Apple TV relatively soon. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. And, and you know, it, I, I'm surprised it did it did touching fifty million. Mm. In in terms of like run times in the cinema, I think all in with ads and trailers. If you're complaining about being in there for anything shorter than two and a quarter mm. hours, I think it's a bit. Come on now, yeah, mate! It's, it's a, a fucking film. film. Yeah. Any anything longer than that, I think you could start thinking, mm, okay. However, audiences have been trained over the last ten years or so for like your comic book movies are two hour, two and a half hours, two hours yeah. forty five minutes. It's, I think it's the when it re, when it breaches the total three hours in yeah. a cinema. That's where it's truly, yeah, all right, fair enough, like, fair dues. But at the same time, watch what you want to watch, where you want to watch it, as long as you're watching it. That's it. I wanted to see a Martin Scorsese film at the cinema. I want to see all Martin Scorsese films at the cinema. Not even all new ones. I will go, if if anywhere puts on a Martin Scorsese film, I will endeavour to try and go and see it. I was gutted that I couldn't catch Mean Streets recently, but I have seen Mean Streets at the cinema. Yeah. Um, I, I would genuinely say I think Martin Scorsese is probably the director with the most films of I have seen at the cinema. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know, I think it's a perfectly reasonable thing. I know, in the same way as the the vast majority of people will not watch Curse of the Flower Moon at the cinema or won't have watched The Irishman at the cinema. Mm. Because, and I think part of that will have been releases, but part of that will have been the length of the movie. Um, but I think what you were saying there, Ian, yeah, is if it's two and a quarter hours, including credits and everything like that, that's about reasonable. Once it starts getting over that, fair enough. I, I think there's a there's a an element of that, but I would I would say close to the two and a half hours with with trailers and everything like sure. that, because sure. you, you're getting close to half an hour's worth of trailers. Yeah. Um, for a, a big Marvel movie, we'll, you'll have twenty-five minutes of trailers, mm. and if the movie is then two and a quarter hours long, you know, yes, you're offsetting maybe ten minutes of that for credits, but Marvel won't just sit through the credits. Yeah. So it's still there. So yeah, I'd, I'd say that. Um, Dylan Black Lanterns. While Netflix seems to be putting uh, money into some interesting things of date, like the Wes Anderson Roald Dahl shorts and El Conde, uh, they no longer seem to be considering the flagship streaming service. Which streaming services do you consider essential or most interesting? Uh, Netflix, just because, it, especially around this time of year, it has a lot of big heavy-hitting stuff. Essential. Uh, yeah, that'll do it. Difficult one, Max. We we were literally having this conversation earlier, weren't we? It's yeah. Like, because there's so many now, they're all just a bit shit. Yeah, they, 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 they've spread it mm. too thin. Too thin yeah. That no single one of them is is kind of essential. The most interesting is Apple at the moment, yeah. and the the most interesting aspect of that. Is Apple is the one with the least content on it? Yeah, it has no catalog content. But the content it's got is good. But um, but this year you're going to get Killers of the Flower Moon and Napoleon. Mm. 
you know, you're going to get, but they're also releasing them in cinemas. Um, the one I, the one I still struggle the most with is um, Amazon Prime, just because its user interface, it, no matter what, they make it fucking worse. And, and and like Amazon Prime, like it feels like their exclusive content has kind of gone down in quality over the last few years. Like they seem to want to be awards botherers and then just really ejected from that. So now, you know, they've they've got their MG, the MGM pipeline, but it's not like that's pumping things out no. every week or anything anything like that. You know, it's um. We've got the Bond reality show in a couple of weeks' time. I'm going to uh, hope, like, I, God, I hope I enjoy that. Cause I, but I've got the feeling it's going to feel like my soul's being destroyed. Um, the thing is, um, yeah. if, if Disney if, if Disney literally went, do you know what, fuck it. Drop the Fox and the Touchstone content. Drop it all now. Yeah. Just drop it all on there. Uh, but, but people have to pay an extra £2. I would be more inclined to pay an extra two pounds to have more access to things, rather than Netflix putting it up another two pounds for the same content. Mm. But you know, I, I don't care about being able to watch the uh, the latest series of Stranger Things in four K because I'm not going to watch it. No, and I don't care about not being able to watch the latest season of Stranger Things in four K because. I don't give a shit about 4K, so yeah. You, know, you do enjoy it, right? Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't. I wouldn't notice it if it wasn't there. I'm more notice it as a upscaling than look at something and go, "God, this looks shit." Oh yeah, it's not in 4K. You know what I mean? Hmm. The, the the thing is, the minute Amazon say, "Right, if you want to keep Prime Video, you got to pay us an extra fiver a month," is the time I say I won't have Prime yeah. Video anymore. Then, you know, um, like Mubi is really expensive unless you join it, get like a three months for one pound offer, remember to cancel it, and then a few months later go, "Okay, I'll do three months for one pound again." Like that's the that's the thing with Mubi. It's timing it right, <laughs> but it's not essential because I never ever ever want to watch a film that is on Mubi after a day of work. <laughs> no. The only times I watch anything on Mubi is when I'm on a holiday because I'm like, okay, I feel like I have the mental bandwidth to watch a film that is on Mubi. Yeah. Even though Passages is on there on Friday, that, that that that's yeah. it. I, I, I movie for me is always it, there's just I, I I get it's a curated service, so it's not a criticism of that. But there's just not enough available for me to to put the money into it. I need more. Mm. I, I it just it, it's a it's a thing. If I'm going to, I very rarely go to a streaming service to watch a particular thing. Yeah, I go to the streaming services to watch bits. Did you watch uh, watch that yeah. film? Um, Honestly, at the moment, I think low key one of the great subscription services is Sky Cinema. Yeah, yeah, it is. You can, because the, 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 I think the difference with Sky, Sky Cinema is um, 
that's better for catch-up shit for the for within the year or the previous year that you've not got to. Yeah, yeah. Rather than finding it's and it's, got, and it, it's got a good yeah. archive. And, it's got good and, and I know that when it get when it clicks into December, um, what's it? Um, Sky Cinema will have more Christmas films that I can watch than Netflix will have, and then Disney will have, and then Prime will have. Because yeah. they'll they'll go look. Here's a lot of Christmas films that we've got. There you fucking go. Uh, do you know what? I, I look at like I get to watch Eight Bit Christmas again. I, just, I look at it sometimes and just think, just get rid of them all. None of them have got enough now to warrant their price. No, they they probably don't. And all that, diluting the, each other. The fact that the Netflix one of Netflix charging an extra seven pounds for four K is preposterous. Mm. Mm. Netflix need like if they could just do a 4K ad supported plan. But, I mean, like I'm locked in with Sky Stream like until next October. It's straight up 14.99 a month yeah. for me. So, seven, so that's cool. And at that point, I'm like, you know what? No. Do I need it, 4K? I, I, it just it, it pains me to say that I think I kind of need 4K, but give me ads. The, the, the thing is, it, it, just, it, it, just fine. If there was Give me more, ads. The problem is that if there was more non-Netflix content in 4K, I could justify it. But, but for me, they just there isn't enough non and and the fact that it, you find a lot of it by chance in the same way as you do on Prime. Yeah, you know, we, that, that's my other thing. There is you shouldn't have to pay extra for it. It's there's a, mm. there's an element of these, I, and I do find Prime are the only one who don't do this. Mm. But um, with Netflix, it's a little bit like they seem to think that we should be going. Oh, thank you for letting me subscribe to your service. <laughs> it's like fuck you. You know you, your you your Netflix own brand output is a bit shit. <laughs> yeah, and you've got less. Stop putting your price up. Mm. You know that's the second price increase within a year. Stupid, isn't it? Yeah, uh, we do have mm. one more question. That I. But just to say, the re- and the reason why they're doing that is because they want people to go to their ad-supported yeah. plan. They want d- because you know they can charge people yes a little bit less, even though in two years' time it will probably cost as much as the non-ad one does now. But then they also get the ad revenue. So the ads, they don't, they're not, they don't happen within the film, do they? They happen before it, I'm guessing. I, be- I believe so. Don't hold me to it, though. I don't yeah. know how it works. But it's like four ninety nine, isn't it? I'd, I'd, li- I'd like to think so. They can't happen during a film, surely. It wouldn't surprise me. No. But, but, but then it's just like an ad break on ITV or Channel 4 or something like that. You know what I mean? It's just we don't pay for ITV or Channel 4. I don't 4. watch ITV or Channel 4, though. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I, I've watched a movie on a terrestrial TV channel not on holiday in 20 years. Mm. Uh, I haven't watched a movie... <laughs> I think the, the, the only movies I've watched on terrestrial TV will be something like Stealth, Casino Royale... And probably like True Lies, just ITV two stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ethan M. Barr, 
Mr. Possible Dead Reckoning Part 2 getting renamed. What would you call it? Mission Impossible Dead Rebecca Ring Ferguson. <laughs> what? I don't know. Mission Impossible 2. Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2. The Avengement of Ilsa <laughs> Faust. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The cat just didn't seem to like that. <laughs> Had a weird reaction. What are you covering next week, Ian? Bit of a bumper one next week. So, are you guys able to make the killer? Uh, it's unlikely, to be honest, just with my work shift patterns. You are welcome to do that if you've got. Ooh, however, that might open it up a little bit. All right, well, we shall see. <laughs> At the very least. I am very sorry? bothered about that film. About New Fincher? Okay. At the very least, we'll have a film we're all bothered about <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's. It's not looking good, guys. It's not looking good. Um, and uh, Pain Hustlers, Pain Hustlers I think. Uh, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Pain Hustlers, Five Nights at Freddy's. And I'll talk about The Killer and what we've been watching, and then we like maybe just full review it a couple of weeks mm. later, maybe. We'll see how yeah, it goes. I'm see what I can so, do about getting to that. I very much would like to. I might watch the banana split. So, wine report. As well. It's worth saying as well that Five Nights at Freddy's is on Peacock in the US. So, if I finish this wine, I'd have to chug it now. I'm on... It's the last glass. Impressed. Do I dare... No, enjoy your wine. Don't <laughs> listen to her. That's, yeah, no, that, thank you, Angel <laughs> on the shoulder. Um, so, thank you very much for listening to episode 513 of Film Bastards. If you made it this far, good on you. Actually, to be fair, it's the shortest one we've done in a while. Um, for, for the so longest film we've done in a while. You're welcome. Yeah, quite, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Ian, so, update. Thank you. Yes. Ooh, I update. think. I can do uh, the killer. Yeah, good. I think I can. I am on an open on Monday, which means I finish at quarter past three in the afternoon, mm. and it is showing up four o'clock at the Everyman. I can get across to the Everyman in easy in forty-five minutes. Go and see that. Yeah, do it. Do it. I think I'm going to do that, yeah. Right. Good. Right. Becky doesn't like David Fincher. Bye-bye, Becky. (laughs) Mark does like David Fincher. Bye-bye, Mark. And I don't like Jason Reitman. (laughs) Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Bye!